What's up, everybody? And welcome back to the Outfielder Podcast, episode 73, brought to you by Sensibly Loud Media. I am your host, J-Mac, a.k.a. Founder Numero Uno, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Popfly himself, Founder Numero Dos, Ben. I had to put a hole in the bottom of a swimming pool yesterday. Baseball, Ben, what's going on, man? Well done, my friend. Well done. You had to have known that was going to come back to bite you almost immediately, right? I just couldn't believe, uh, of all the gold from last episode, I'm surprised you went with that one over, I had to shave my dad's neck. Oh, that's that's marked as well. Okay. That's out there. Just be Pretty aware. Pretty solid. It's a good one. Dude, I don't ever really listen back to our episodes much, but that one I felt like I needed to, and the first five minutes of that had me in tears. Like, you just nonsensically prattled off those three stories, and I was losing my mind. It's a uh, it's a pretty pretty manic life that I lead. <laughs> That's the truth. You were fresh off vacation, and you were pretty scattered. It seemed. Uh, I'm still pretty scattered. I think that's my 2019 aesthetic. That's fair. That's fair. Well, Sambino is out this evening. He is gallivanting somewhere in Utah or something like that. I think we're gonna have some content updates from him later. But yeah, yeah. we we initially sent him to Colorado to try and find us an Airbnb, and the next thing we know, he's palling around St. George somewhere yeah. north of the Donner Pass. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happened there. Must I, Is it an intern thing? Did they lead him astray? That could happen. I don't know. I mean, do we need to get him trained on like a lensatic compass or something for his nav orgs? I feel like if anybody, Sam would have fantastic navigational skills. Actually, I know that to be true. So something went awry, it feels. We should just, anytime we're in Colorado, just be like, Sam, north, and just see if he points the right direction. <laughs> yep, we're doing it. <laughs> Sam, north. There you go. Well, man, it's been, so we're here at the All-Star break. Worst time of the year for baseball, I think. Uh, the the Home Run Derby's happening as we speak, which is always a good time, but I think I'm more excited for that than I've been the All-Star game. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I think that overall, America gets really amped up for for the home run derby uh more so than the all-star game and i think it really boils down to when the all-star game lost its significance uh as far as it dictating who had home field in the world series which makes sense why they changed it but still it stripped away any shell of importance that this game had which by the way speaking of the home run derby this is much more exciting than when they tried the bunt derby did they really do that Okay. But they should. We should sponsor it. It that dude, we should absolutely do a bunt derby while we're in, in Colorado. Yeah, except none of us can pitch and we're all just like getting hit by <laughs> No, we'll be we all we've got to do is no, we'll figure this out. We'll leave Sam to figure this out. Hopefully he finds his way back first though. But we'll yeah, we're writing this down as an idea. I'm putting I'm I'm marking it on our sheet here. Like he'll just walk up to our to our hotel, like we haven't seen him in a month, and he has a full beard and just like a fringe map, yeah. just frayed and tattered. And he's like, "Well, I've been in the wilderness, yeah. forty pounds lighter." <laughs> he's yeah. wearing only his um American Eagle shirt, not like from the store, like it's a shirt with an American Eagle on it, that and like again. a pair of cargo shorts, camo cargo shorts at that, right? Yeah. No, I don't think Sam's that kind of guy. I, don't, I think he. I think Sam knows to stay away from from cargo shorts at this point, I would hope. No, but uh, it, it's a brutal time of the year, though, overall. It's just no baseball. It makes me so sad to open up my fantasy app and just see no game, no game, no game for everybody for a full week. It's just depressing. Yeah, I, the only thing not depressing about it is if there's no baseball, then I cannot lose. That's fair. 
How's that been going? I've been doing a fair amount of losing, my friend. Okay. You need some help? Not yet. Okay. All right. We'll we'll check back in later on in this. Jimmy is really good. I'll tell you that. That's all I'm... I'm we're not going to go deep into fantasy talk because nobody really cares. It's boring. But Jimmy's really good. That's all, all we need to know going into Colorado. Unless he just has some downhill slide over the next three or four weeks, which I do play him this coming week. So that should be interesting to talk about. But he is definitely riding high going into Colorado. So we'll see what happens. It's like the rain man of fantasy baseball. I know, man. Well, I was looking at everything. We're like halfway through the season, obviously. I want to talk about, just to kick a few things off here, some of the surprises that we've seen, good and bad for teams. What would you say has jumped out at you the most? Well, we've talked about it before on this podcast, but the strength of the Minnesota Twins, for me, is one of the things to talk about. And and we can hit on them a little more, but going into the break, they're 56 and 33. They are. They're I agree. Yeah, at the top of that division. That being said, the division is a piece of hot garbage. Yeah, Cleveland has gone seven. They went 17 and nine in June, though. So they picked things up a lot. They There was a lot of separation between Minnesota and the top, and I think they're only like six and a half games back now. Yeah, um, exactly. 56 and 33 versus 50 and 38. So it's re- it's getting close. It's yeah. getting tighter for sure. Yeah, the Indians have picked up some ground for sure. So that's that was definitely surprising in June. I didn't expect that, but I was looking at some of the numbers for Minnesota and I I put these in our Slack chat the other day, so I'll just kind of give you a little overview, but I was looking at the splits. So in April the Twins went 15 and 9, in May they went 21 and 8, and in June they went 15 and 12. Wow. So it's kind of sliding towards mediocrity. A little bit. And then, uh, but on top of that, Cleveland went 17 and 9 in June. So, I mean, that's, you know, that kind of evens out. But I started looking at this, like, for instance, the strength of schedule and what they pay, uh, who they played in May versus who they played in June. Okay. So I'll read this off to you real quick. These are either two or three game sets aside from one four game set against Seattle. It went Houston, New York, the Yankees. Uh, Toronto, Detroit, Angels, Seattle, Angels, White Sox, Milwaukee, Tampa Bay. That was in May. Okay. So, mixed bag, right? Mixed bag, for sure. I mean, you you have an overachieving Yankees team in there. Plus, that was whenever the Rays were were still decent. And they are still. But in June, when they went 15-12, and the Twins, they had a set against Tampa Bay, Cleveland, Detroit, Seattle, Kansas City, Boston, Kansas City, Tampa Bay, White Sox. I would say that's probably about the same. Yeah, I mean, you, you see the White Sox in there in both in both sets. So that's, you know, those are W's. I don't know, man. I just, I feel like, to me, this Minnesota team has a feeling of being a little bit young. What, maybe one year too, too early still. And well, they're going to be the- good, though. That's the stink of it is I feel like a lot of their big name, larger name signings in the offseason were short term deals. Yeah, they've got it. They've got it filled out for a couple of years, but they've and they're very young. Like they've got a lot of depth because they've been bad for a very long time. Yeah, no, that's that is true. Uh, I think so. My brother who lives up in Minneapolis was saying that when the Rangers were in town this week, the cheapest tickets were like $40. This is the last time the Twins have been good since like 1991. Yeah, I mean, I believe it. It's been a long work in progress for them to kind of get to where they are. So I'm 
it's I'm happy to see they're having the success. I just think everybody's overrating them a little bit yet. They feel exactly like the Red Sox did in 2017, where they were there. They were mostly there. They just weren't quite complete yet. Well, you know who we haven't given enough light to this year? Who's that? The Los Angeles Dodgers. Dude, they've been really damn good. They're going to win the World Series. Like, that's going to happen. Better. I've, I've, <laughs> they've been my team the last two seasons to win, and they've, they've lost back-to-back World Series. They have a 652 winning percentage right now. They're 60-32. and 32. Hashtag God's Dodgers. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> yeah, basically that. I'm glad that Sam radioed in from the wilderness for that drop. That was perfect. Exactly. He's yeah. He's all over the Dodgers too. He believes. I saw that. Uh, I let me see. I pulled this up. They were, yeah, the the quickest in the ma- They're the first team in the majors this season to hit 60 wins, and the quickest in franchise history as well. Previously, the earliest into any season that the Dodgers reached 60 wins was July 8th, 2017. Yeah, I think they're right now. They're on pace for 108 or 109. Uh, and I think that's what the Red Sox had last year, right? It was 109? 108. Okay. Yeah. The only thing that concerns me about the Dodgers is their record away from Dodger Stadium. They're 23 and 20 on the road, which is still, you know, better than 500. Right. But, you know, re- given the dominance, they're 37 and 12 at home. So they are absolutely lights out when they're playing in Los Angeles and medium away from home. Yeah, that that's always an interesting thing, though, and I guess it doesn't really matter if you just wreck shop and get home field advantage anyway. Well, right. That's the thing is the closest team behind them in the National League is Atlanta, and they're 54 and 37. So the Dodgers have approximately six games on Atlanta at the All-Star break. So not necessarily room to be comfortable, but definitely room to where Atlanta would have to really start making some stuff work and come together in order to catch up. I don't hate that. And I the the one thing that and that, I guess that'll kind of bring us to our next one. I, I I'm glad to see that Atlanta has continued the progress that they came off of last year. They've definitely improved. Tuki Desant's looked really good. Their pitching's been great overall so far. Their bullpen's been shut down, electric, and so I'm glad to see them you know progressing because that's what they need to do is they just need to continue the success from last year. They do. Well, that's the thing with Atlanta. I mean, Freddie Freeman. It's been a monster this year. He's at 309 uh, hitting so far, 23 home runs. Yeah. No, he's he's a beast right now. And they have a really young lineup, Acuna Jr., Ozzy Albies we talk about, all these guys. They're doing great. Dansby uh, Swanson finally has come into his own, and that's definitely helpful as well. The biggest thing that the Braves benefit from is the fact that the Phillies have a Gabe Kapler problem. <laughs> Tell me more. I mean, it's pretty obvious that that team is not engaged in what's going on. They have looked horrible overall. I mean, he's just not getting anything out of these guys. And it's it's clear that there's not really a direction. It feels like it's a rudderless ship. He feels way in over his head for that amount of talent. And, you know, I mean, some guys just aren't ready for that step. And I don't think that he was. And So I how think- much of this falls onto Bryce Harper's broad shoulders? A little bit. I mean, he's there for 12 more years, though. So, I mean, I don't think that really matters. Like, ultimately, if it's a Kapler problem, then it is, you know, and that's I, I just there's so many things where it just feels like the the inmates are running the asylum a little bit. And that's that's even stacked up against the ridiculous shit that's going on with the Mets right now, which we'll talk about in a minute. So, I, well, mean, I mean, just 
just the whole division. The other thing on Bryce Harper while we're still on the Phillies is the fact that he is essentially the face of the All-Star game this year, and he's not even in the All-Star game this year, but Major League Baseball is using him in a ton of their ads. Yeah, man, it, that's that's crazy, too, because I, I want to look at their lineup from top to bottom here real quick. Yeah, and players overall, like Trout can't even get a can't even get a, a I want to use like a, a fish bait joke, but none's coming to me. I mean, Bryce Harper's hitting 253. He's on base 370, and he has an 839 OPS. So I'll take 839. 62 runs batted in and 16 home runs. So, I mean, he's doing his part. It's not terrible. Yeah, I'd say not terrible isn't the same as all-star level. Right. Their biggest problem is their pitching, though. I mean... Aaron Absolutely. Nala is struggling. Their whole their whole rotation is struggling, to be honest. I mean, dude, Jake Arrieta and Sam will be the first one to tell you that he's been sa- and, and he's been saying this forever. That guy stinks. He is not good, and he was never the pitcher that they paid him to be. And when was it that he got his deal? Was that sixteen or seventeen? I feel right like? when we started this podcast. I think. Oh, it was only last year. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that might have been. Maybe we talked about him getting it, but yeah, it definitely seems like they are paying Corvette money for a 96 Accord. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, he signed in 2018, so that was our okay. our first year. Yeah, I, I agree. So far, and I mean, again, and Sam had been saying that long before we even had this show. Like, he's just not good. And I agree with that, man. He's, overall this year, he's pitched 108 innings. He's given up, let's see. This is bad radio. He's got a 467 ERA, and he has given up 56 earned runs, and he's walked 40. Yeah, you don't pay that money for a 467 ERA. That's ridiculous. He's supposed to be your top of the rotation ace guy, and he's just not that guy. And I, I, again, we've been saying it, so I'm not surprised by that. But overall, man, you got to get somebody in there that knows how to deal with the pitching and knows, you know, kind of how to organize things and get things off to a better start because, I mean, the, Gabe Kapler doesn't know what he's doing in that sense. Yeah. So one division that last year we glossed over a bit, but I think is worth kind of talking about, is the NL Central because it is an absolute dogfight right now where you still have four teams in contention because technically five, although I don't want to give Cincinnati any credit. But the Cubs are at the top of the division right now at 47 and 43. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee's only half a game back at 47 and 44. St. Louis is at 500, 44 and 44. And Pittsburgh is half a game back of that at 44 and 45, which means you have four teams within two and a half games of each other. And Cincinnati's only two games behind that. Yeah. So five teams, four and a half game differential. I think the NL Central, if you like flyover state baseball, you are in for a treat this late summer. It kind of feels like nothing particularly exciting is happening with any of those teams, though. I feel like I would rather, if I'm one of their fan bases, I'd rather have a team like that that's competitive and waiting to get hot till August, September time frame, as opposed to a team who just explodes right out of the gate, does really well in May and June, and then just falls off a horse. No, I get that. And I mean... That's what I was terrified about for the Red Sox all last year. Was sure. I just didn't want them to, to stumble. 
Well, they, and then they never stumbled. They waited <laughs> until 2019 to stumble. Right. Yeah. And, they decided to stumble for an entire year instead. Stupid, annoying. We didn't even get to that, which we will in a minute. Can't but, lift their gloves because their rings are too heavy on their hands. Apparently. But yeah, man, the fact that Cincinnati's four and a half games out is just astonishing to me. I mean, that's this is a fluid division that we're going to be keeping a really close eye on. Yeah. Uh, and I did cut you off. What were you going to say about the Mets? Oh, yes. So the Mets, did you see that Brody Van Wagner, their GM, threw a chair in a meeting the other day? I heard about that, but I didn't get a chance to look into it. What happened? Uh, so very few details came out about it. I just saw it posted on like baseball rumors or something like that, and, or MLB rumors. And so I went there, and it was just one little excerpt that just said he threw a chair during a meeting today. <laughs> that That's was it. not very professional. It also leads you to believe that they're probably not on the right track. If we needed uh, any more evidence, as it was. they're Right now, they're 13 and a half back of Atlanta. They're in fourth place in the East at 40 and 50. Yeah, it's not. It's They're, they're plugging along, but they're not great. We'll have to get Jimmy Midtown take on that here pretty soon. I, was, I did see today that the Red Sox and Yankees have been trying to add Zach Wheeler to their lineups as far as pitching goes, which would be really helpful for Boston, to be honest with you. I think that would really help Boston... I'm wondering where he would fit in the Yankees rotation. Yeah. Because I feel like they have a relatively buttoned up lineup. And I could be wrong. I haven't looked at their four and five spot this week. But overall, I mean, the team has. Let's see. The Yankees are absolutely crushing it right now. And it's not even close. I mean, next to the Dodgers, they're the best team in baseball. Anyway, the Yankees are absolutely crushing it. So good for them. They're definitely, you know, the best team money can buy. And I say that both uh, with love and disgrace. I mean, they're not throwing chairs ac- across conference rooms after they meet with their coaches. So, I mean. No, they- that's in another borough. Right. Yeah, <laughs> That's just down the road. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, it, it just it's another year. It really is. And the other thing that came up Mets related was on the 4th of July, their, uh, their Class A affiliate accidentally set off all of their fireworks at one time whenever they were trying to do the fireworks show for fourth. And didn't it set like the building on fire or something yeah, ridiculous? Dude, something like that. It's just the most Mets thing you could possibly hear. It's just a it's a mess overall. Can you imagine like the photo of that burning building and then just from the side of it you see the Mets mascot, that massive baseball with this <laughs> stupid smirk on his face and like a can of gasoline. A can of gas yet? <laughs> That'd be a great shirt to make. Just the Mets mascot with a can of gas. It's awesome. That's fantastic. Note it down. Let's, let's write that one down. Let's get the interns on this. Absolutely. Uh, any other teams we want to go ahead and talk about while we're going through our midseason review? Dude, the Red Sox have been so disappointing overall. They feel exactly like the Celtics did in basketball this year where you kept waiting for them to turn a corner and they just never did. And it feels like that's kind of where we're at. So, and I think we've posed this question before, but in your estimation, is this A typical World Series hangover that we've seen before, or B, a larger issue when we're starting to see some real cracks showing? Both. I think that it's a lot of World Series hangover with the hitting. I mean, Andrew Benintendi has been abysmal overall this year. Not great. And they just seem like they have not clicked at all offensively where they really got going last year and they didn't stop. Now, I don't expect them to go and win you know, 108 games again this year. I've been very clear about that. But I also expect them to win more games than they have. And they're only like six, what, six games over 500 right now? 
Yeah, you're hoping for them to win at least 88 games this year. Yeah, something like that. And it's that's just not a great pace that we're on. And I think it's two things. It's the fact that there is some some hangover syndrome there on the offensive side of things. The other thing is that Dave Dombrowski let Joe Kelly, who has not been good for the Dodgers, but still a, a, a quality reliever, and C- Craig Kimber walk out the door and made no effort to replace them in any way. They just thought they would patch what they have together with Tyler Thornburg and Carson Smith. Carson Smith threw out his shoulder by throwing his glove at the ground during a start last year. Oh, my God. What are you doing? Like, that is ridiculous. And I just, I, it's arrogant. It's really, really arrogant. And they're paying for it. And the other day, he came out and said that the starting pitching is not, has not performed up to, to par, which is definitely true. But when you have a bullpen that can't hold anything either, I don't think that you can really sit there and point that finger. No, you're absolutely right. So to uh, paraphrase then, offense, hangover, defense, cracks. Correct. They okay. and, and they don't have a lot to... I mean, they, they've got trade chips and stuff like that a little bit, but I mean, they've de- depleted the system and all that a lot. So it's it's going to be interesting to see what they can do. And so that's why I think this Zach Wheeler thing probably makes a lot of sense because you can then push everybody back. Because I just think that anymore... They're not looking at it like a starter versus long reliever versus mid reliever versus, you know, setup man anymore. It's just fluid all the way through, right? So if your starter can get you at least five innings and you can bring in, you know, your what would traditionally be your fourth or fifth guy to get you three more, you know, and so on and so forth, you, I mean, you're essentially playing the, the percentages that way. They're, it's not working, though. So they need to add some strength to it. No, I, I agree completely. So that's kind of where that's at. I, we, you kind of asked me several times, and I've kind of given you varied thoughts, but I think at this point we've seen enough to know that those those things are issues. So and no, I, the Yankees have been great. I mean, to their credit, dude, they've been great. So not that we want to necessarily do this right now, but uh, you still feel pretty confident that it'll be the Red Sox in the World Series? No, I don't. Well, uh, no, I I don't want to say that. I, I, would, I would definitely say that I do not feel confident of any chance of them winning this division, though. That's that's good. But so I didn't. It, I said the Yankees would win this division this year, though, for sure. No, that's a hundred percent what your take was. So in that case, if it were the Dodgers and the Yankees right now in the World Series, you'll take the Dodgers. I'd take the Dodgers all, over almost any team. I think right now. Okay. They are really good, and I mean they are mashing the hell out of the ball and having a great time doing it. I just, well, and that chemistry is what's so important. I mean, you, you can say the same thing about the 16 Cubs. It's just what they do. It, it really is. That's that's the way it feels destiny-like in a way to me. And I just, I've watched a lot of their games so far this year just because I've, I sleep very limited at night. And so, you know, a lot of West Coast baseball for me. And, and I love it too. You know, I, I love seeing where these teams are at, and especially on the West Coast because it's always such a toss-up. It really is. And I just... I can't pick against them, man. They are really good. Awesome. Uh, any other season surprises for you? Uh, it's we've we've spoken about it before, but I think the Rangers are better than anyone thought they would be. Yeah, they're starting they, to tail off finally, though. Yep, and they are getting a break at the right time. Yes. I think they dropped like five of their last six or some stupid number like that and it does not feel good yeah i mean to be fair that 
those were against the Twins and you know teams that have been pretty good. So I mean, they're they've done they've far exceeded expectation. I think. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and I'm just hoping that they jacked up the value of their pieces so they can trade them off and get some really good prospects it, to where 2020, 2021, and 2022 they're making some serious runs at it. As long as nothing devastating happens, they've done a really good job of that. No, absolutely. Uh, it's just a matter of get deals done soon. Well, and I think we talked a little bit about this before, but I feel like the all-star, uh, excuse me, the all-star, Ray, the trade deadline is going to be very different this year where you're going to see deals getting done earlier, and that's going to be a really good thing in the case of the Rangers. Oh, absolutely. And what does that say overall about the state of the hot stove? I That's a good question. I'm, I'm not really sure. It's going to be... The, because we're we're so much in this world now where it's either all in to win or all out to lose, you know. Right. Which could definitely change the face of the market for some of these ball players. If we have seen such a dry market over the last two off seasons, I mean, what happens if teams start moving players July tenth, July fifteenth, you know, and, yeah. and with with a higher degree of um with a higher degree of movement than traditionally we see whenever there's those last minute deals on the 29th and 30th coming in at the 11th hour. I'm fascinated to know where Madison Bumgarner is going to end up. I really am. And I think that's one of the things that Minnesota should look at. I think it's a team that uh, something that a lot of teams should look at, but he has a lot of no uh, teams on his no trade clause. So, which is interesting because I feel like if he doesn't do his job correctly, he's going to be, Digging through a dumpster behind a Shoney's. A Shoney's? What the hell is Shoney's? It's like a Denny's in the Midwest. <laughs> Never heard of Shoney's before. That sounds made up. I thought you were making some sort of My Little Pony joke or something. No, they were in Ohio. Okay. All right. What What if they were today's sponsor and you're just like totally crapping just on crapped them? Just crapped on them? It's yeah. <laughs> one of the sponsorship right. deals you made out in the wet. In the... I'm going to read this to you. They're they're based in Nashville. Okay. Shoney's, delicious food and friendly service since 1947. Love it. Short and simple, to the point. I love it. I'm sure it's fantastic. They're not a real sponsor, so you can still make fun of them. I bet you it's fantastic food. We should send Sam out on this. I wonder if these are in Atlanta. That's a really hard-hitting question. Yeah, we'll have to see if we can find him in the wilderness to get him to go try (laughs) Shoney's. I'm sure if he's been in the wilderness for three weeks, like I think, he'll eat just about anything. I, I agree with that. All right, well, let's figure out who's really sponsoring the pod today. Let me rummage through my knapsack here. Are you tired of driving that old clunker? Looking for a new ride? Well, come on down to Verlander's Toyota, located off 45 in the heart of Houston. Here at Verlander's, we have Sienna's, Camry's, Avalon's, plus the new Prius Prime. Plus, get a special 2.9 ERA slash APR financing on the Verlander Highlander Special. Tell them the outfielder sent you and receive a $500 bonus cash offer. Need your car serviced? Well, check in with Kate, our service specialist, for your midsummer tune-up, just in time for the midsummer classic. Come on out to Verlander's Toyota today. Back to you, Justin. I have a question. What is unique about the Verlander Highlander? Do we know? Um, you know, I think that if you open the trunk of the Verlander Highlander, you can fit an extra amount of juiced balls. 
Dude, we're going to talk about that. I think that's a great segue. Do we want to talk about that first, or do we want to do History of the All-Star Game first? I think it's a beautiful segue. I think so, too. I think you nailed it. So what Ben is referring to is this story came out today about basically Justin Verlander is calling out Major League Baseball and Rawlings, since they're owned by Major League Baseball, for juicing baseballs. Ben, do you want to describe juicing baseballs for us? Well, first, it's worth noting that there was a little bit of change that happened to baseballs before this Verlander thing happened. So it was a year, maybe two years ago, that Major League Baseball changed the company who was providing all of the baseballs. And there was some sort of a different composition of the ball and as early as 2018, maybe 2017, people were um, were complaining about, hey, this new baseball vendor, there's something different. And so there's always been rumors and inklings, and some of the stat guys have really gone in and so as to say, oh, since this date, we've seen X number of home runs, which is an increase of XYZ percentage. Yep. I, I It's really come up a lot in the last, in the stat cast era, I would say. In the last mm-hmm. five to six years. And it this has been an issue that's been ongoing, but you just haven't heard much about it. But it's really bubbled up this year for sure. But there have been a lot more home runs this year. So MLB batters are on pace to club 6,668 home runs this season, which would smash the previous season's record of 6,105. Actually, I'm sorry, that was two seasons ago. That is a lot of home runs. That is. That's the difference we're talking about here. No, absolutely. And I even found a, there was a Washington Post article where they're admitting Major League Baseball in May 24th of 2018, Dave Scheinan posted saying that Major League Baseball, Rob Manfred was quoted as saying, yes, that there has been a surge in home runs explained partially by, quote, a change in aerodynamic properties uh, specifically reduced drag for given launch conditions. So yeah. they're, they, yeah, I mean that's basically what that's what Verlander's saying. So it's absolutely ridiculous. It really is. And so his quote today, I'm going to read this to you because it's fascinating. He Verlander was talking to a reporter and he said, he, and he's referring to the juice baseballs. He says it's a fucking joke. Major League Baseball is turning this game into a joke. They own Rawlings, and you've got Manfred up here saying it might be the way they center the pill. They own the fucking company. It's any other $40 billion company bought out a $400 million company, and the product changed dramatically. It's not a guess as to what happened. We all know what happened. Manfred, the first time he came in, what did he say? He said, we want more offense. All of a sudden, he comes in, and the balls are juiced. It's not a coincidence. We're not idiots. Those are strong words, man. Those are very strong words from Verlander. And what do you think? He's never been one to shy away from his opinion and, and giving that. And in a way, I kind of respect that about him because that I don't you don't hear a lot of that in baseball, I would say, right? No. No, uh, and not nearly to the extent of basketball or football where you have people that are just that outspoken about things. Right. And you know, for better or worse, you just don't hear that in baseball very often so whenever he comes out and 
says something, it usually packs a punch pretty hard. I mean, he was way, I mean, he did this last year where he was against Roberto Osuna when he, that was him, right? The guy who yeah. hit his wife. Yeah. Was all against him and then got traded to the Astros and then had to kind of, you know, backtrack on being his teammate. That was a, a pretty shitty look for him. But he's shouldn't have backtracked. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Don't take that take back. Exactly. Stand behind it like a like a real man. It's ridiculous. But at the same time, he's always been very vocal about these things, but they've always bubbled up in random places like this. I mean, what do you think? I mean, do you think it's a good thing he's speaking out about it and call it's not a great look for the league? Yeah, so it's not a good look whenever one of your best pitchers, um, potentially in this generation, is coming out against changes that are made. But it's really not a good look for Manfred, especially because MLB owns Rawlings. Like, that's... Yeah, that's rough. I don't want to say the proof is in the pudding, but if those allegations are true, like, there's a pretty clear, linear, you know, sight line between the two or three issues... Uh, that Verlander is in a better position than I am in order to call it out. So I agree with that. And I started looking into this a little bit more as far as what both sides of the coin think, because I I always err on the side of following the money when it comes to this. And I mean, that's a pretty clear case of following the money, I would say. But I was interested to know what like some like hitters think basically about this. And so I found a quote from J.D. Martinez, and he said, it's a power arm league. It's either a walk or a strikeout, stuff over command. I think you see a lot more mistakes over the plate, the velocity, the guys trying to hit the ball in the air. I think it's a recipe for home runs. And that's a good point, too. Sure. And theoretically, the faster the pitch, the faster the velocity off the bat. Right. And that is, you know, and so it is all interrelated like that. And they're almost, in a way, making the same point. And I think that's what's tricky about this. But like, it feels like once again, baseball stumbled their way into looking really shitty. And it feels well, like, like it just, it it's, we've talked about this a ton since we started this show. It feels like it's us versus them, the players versus the league. And that will end in a disaster. Well, it'll definitely end in a disaster with the contract negotiation year with the union coming up this off season. That's what I'm saying. Uh, two off seasons from now. Yeah, we are at a huge precipice of um, anxiety. Here's the here's the other stat. So you may have hit on this a little bit, but the prior record for home runs in a season was five thousand six hundred ninety three, and that was in two thousand uh, during the height of the steroid era. Yep. Like I mean, that was peak Barry Bonds, McGuire. Mark McGuire, like all that. During twenty seventeen, there was six thousand one hundred and five. Now, I don't think that we have, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger looking dudes coming up to the plate like we did 20 years ago. Right. There has to be something else going on. And yes, physics plays a part, but I don't know how much of a part it should play. But the other thing about that is we are understanding the game better and differently. And we're, we're incorporating things like launch angle and all that stuff into this game. And that stuff matters, too. But it's probably a lot of all of that mixed together. This is not a black and white issue. It's really, it's got layers to it like that. And it's really hard to say with the way the game has evolved, what what is responsible for it. I don't know that it's just one thing. Yeah, well, that's the thing too. Manfred was quoted as saying, hey, the balls are not juiced. 
and that the balls are continuously, quote, tested and fall within their designated measurable limits. Yeah, what the but, hell does that mean? Well, but, but Major League Baseball sets the limits. So, I, I mean, right. it's all synonymous with whatever the hell baseball wants to do. Yeah, that's the cat watching the canary. Exactly. We've got a regular Sylvester situation happening here. It's ridiculous. That's me trying to tell myself that I'm going to cut my massive burrito in half and save the rest for later. Like, right. it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Never. I just, I think this is a, a multi-layered issue, though. And I, I the one thing that I, I did take pause on when I read Justin Verlander's quote is it did feel very reactionary almost, almost like something set him off about it or something like that. And right. that felt like maybe he shouldn't have said that necessarily. Well, there were one or two more expletives than he would normally make. And so yeah. I think that at that point, he undermined his points credibility. A little bit, for sure. Which we're all guilty of doing. Absolutely. We run least, down Gabe Kapler constantly. At least on this <laughs> podcast. Exactly. No, but I, I just, I don't know if it's, I don't know if he should. I, I get from a pitcher standpoint too, though, why this hurts. And I mean, contracts are based on performance a lot of times. I mean, all that stuff. So I get it. But at the same time, I mean, Manfred's not wrong that more offense leads to more excitement in this game. I mean, do you agree with that side of it? I think for average fans and for bringing in the new public, absolutely. But, I mean, you and I don't mind sitting down and watching a one to nothing ball game. So, we don't, but I'm going to headline by saying, unlike other baseball purists, you and I also recognize that the game needs to change if it wants to maintain its marketability, its profitability, its overall market share, and that the decline of baseball in popularity in the last 30 years is problematic for the longevity of America's game. It absolutely is, and we've talked at nauseum about all the different reasons why and and why that could be a thing. And I mean, it, it's there are a lot of layers to that too. Like th these are not simple issues, and I think that's why we enjoy talking about them because I I personally think about sports and everything. I think a little bit differently than a lot of people, and I, I just I apply a lot of general logic to it. And from what I've seen over thirty two years, it seems like. Seems like it works. <laughs> and I just, I can't get past the fact that a lot of this stuff is Major League Baseball's fault. But you also, on the other side of that, whenever they try to do something to, whenever they do try to do things to help progress the game along, it's easy for us to sit here from where we sit and shit on that. But you can't say that they're not trying. Yeah, so, but here's the thing. To me, it's like if I lit a chair on fire and then ask for you to be proud whenever I put it out. Okay. Tell me more. Elaborate. So, like, if baseball is consistently, we've said it before, being in its own way on, let's see, marketing players, the fact that there aren't true national um, baseball superstars, the fact that the game is behind the times and seems to be comfortable in doing it, and then when they want credit for making small, minuscule changes, yes, I'm proud of your changes, but that doesn't mean you weren't wrong in the first place. No, I, I'm 100% with you there. I think the other part to remember, too, is and, and you like people our age tend to be more progressive when it comes to change. Like we don't really care about if they're changing baseball for the better. But the, the problem with that is that you alienate your older fan base as well by making drastic changes too quickly. 
So you, you got to be careful on that side of it as well. It's a fine balance. Well, I would love to turn this podcast into me going in on a on a monologue against the baby boomer generation for th- all the ways that they need to be more progressive, but that's a podcast for another day. No, for sure. But I'm just saying that they have to be careful about that as well, because that, because I mean, then as we grow up, then we see, Oh, well they shut the door on my dad, you know, kind of thing. And, and obviously that's that person's choice, but I can understand why they would not be happy with those kinds of changes. Especially if they're the ones who currently are holding the money in the season ticket holders and people responsible for making the advertising decisions at these larger companies. Like, I totally get it. Yeah. One, once again, follow know, the money. Right. I'm. There is a certain amount of cynicalness that we have to approach this conversation with. But I do I do worry that outbursts like this that Justin Verlander came up, came across hurts the long term more than it helps. And it's great that guys are speaking out about this. And they should be, but you got to find a better way to do it than cursing during an interview before the All Star game. I just that seems odd. Sure, and it feels Absolutely. like feels like something set him off on this right before or something like that. I don't know. How, I mean, how could it not have? Right? He probably like someone offered him a Jamba Juice, and he got confused and thought that they wanted his opinions on juiced balls, and it was just a big misunderstanding. It had to have been. All right, well, we're going to go ahead, and so we're forgoing the POS quarter this week, and Ben's going to run us down a little bit of history of the All-Star game. Absolutely. Can we count this as blatherings? Yeah, let's do that. never gets old oh i love that it never gets old it never does all right so while most people think or know or think that they know that the first major league baseball all-star game the first of the midsummer classics happened in 1933 for us to go back uh really to the crux of it i want to take you back a little further in time jmac have you ever heard of addy joss i've heard the name before Right. And as well, you should. He pitched the fourth perfect game in Major League history, and he was only the second American League pitcher to ever do so. Okay. So already, you know, he's in a pretty elite club. So he so it was three NL pitchers before him. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Got it. Okay. And he was number four all time. I'm sorry. Yes, there was two two NLs, one AL. And then he was number four all time, two in the AL. Got it. Okay. So already a pretty big deal. And he pitched this in, you know, October 2nd, 1908. So, you know, 111 freaking years ago. It's been a minute. But that puts him in a very elite club. Well, in 2010, 2010, in 1910, he starts getting injured and having all these different health problems. Missed a lot of uh, time due to various injuries. It all came to a head in April of 2011. He's still an active major league player, 31 years old, dies of tuberculosis. Wait a minute. Tuberculosis. Wait, 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 wait a minute. He died of tuberculosis in 2011? No, I'm sorry. Not 2011. 1911. <laughs> sorry. You're blowing this up. <laughs> all right. I'm just blowing this whole damn thing up. <laughs> all right. I just had to make sure that I heard that right. Okay, so... 
he was still a major league pitcher in 1911. Still a major league pitcher, 1911, dies in April of 1911 of tuberculosis. Okay. Do we know what his injury was or anything like that, or was it just like a mixed bag of things? Just mixed bag. Okay, got it. The, the, as far as we know, and bear in mind, medical records are a little different, right. you know, 110 years ago. Sure. But as far as we know, yeah, he overall finished his career 160 wins, 234 complete games, 45 shutouts, 920 strikeouts in a nine-season span. Wow. That's pretty damn pretty damn good. Yeah, absolutely. And just think, uh, if he were in 2011, he could have had some great medical care. That's right. Probably. He probably wouldn't have uh, have died of uh, tuberculosis a year before the Titanic sank. Like that's just <laughs> actually where we're at here. Yeah, that's that definitely puts it into perspective a little bit. Okay. Well, anyway, so he dies, and of course, this is so Major League Baseball in 1911 was kind of like minor league baseball today. The players are making basically dirt money. Like we're talking peanut butter sandwiches on the train. Right. A, a train if you're lucky. Yeah, no. Otherwise, you're hitchhiking on a wagon. Right. Not like an actual wagon, but you know what I mean. Yeah, you're driving anyway. something like Sam's driving around the woods out there. Yes. So what they ended up doing is Major League Baseball decided to host a benefit game in order to benefit his wife. So it was held July 24th, 1911, and it was the American League All-Stars versus his own Cleveland team, the Cleveland Naps. Who Wait went on to become the Cleveland Indians. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> so essentially for a benefit, they took what is probably now the Cleveland Indians. Is that what you said? Yes. Okay, so they basically had the Indians play all the best players from around baseball? Well, from the American League, but well, yes. Okay. Wow. That is quite the situation. Okay, go on. So it's pretty wheels off, but it's groundbreaking for its time. No, I love it. I I, I would love to see that now. That'd be a great way to I mean just imagine, like, all the American League All-Stars just going to pummel the Phillies. <laughs> that would be incredible. Oh, man. What a great idea. All right. We need to sponsor that as well after Absolutely. our bunt contest. Yes. Anyway, so that was really one of the first big exhibition games where these All-Stars coming started coming together. And then in the 20s and 30s, you would see it happen a lot more where these players in the Summer League or they'd play, like, all-star exhibitions against Negro League players. And so the idea wasn't that uncommon, but they decided to really host this first game as a way of lifting morale during the Great Depression. Did they take out an ad in the paper? It seems like that's the amount of marketing that Major League Baseball would be doing back then. Uh, they actually took out a ton of, of ads in the paper, and they also turned it into a charity game. Because they wanted the proceeds to be go to um, disabled or needy major league players. That's a quote. Wait. <laughs> Wait. Hold on. Um, how is that possible? Are we talking about like X players? I'm. The resources say <laughs> disabled or needy major league players. Because that leads me to believe that like, and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to be insensitive, but it leads me to believe they have like, you know, the like your first baseman has turf toe, so he has to play in a wheelchair. That's what that feels like. Like that's, I'm hoping that that went to like ex players that, that you know need help and stuff like that. I would assume so. That's what I'm thinking. Okay, but anyway, so plenty of of big names, um, you know, starting players at that point, including 
Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, uh, Frenchie Frisch, Bill Terry, lots of huge names. A Bill Terry guy. Jimmy Fox, uh, Pie Trainer. <laughs> Hell yeah, How's dude. That for an old-timey baseball name? That's the best name Harold I've ever heard. Joseph Pie Trainer. It's incredible. Yep. Anyway, Absolutely Pie Trainer is what I do before Thanksgiving. <laughs> exactly. It's a it's and, a grand old baseball name though. Then they played the major league game then uh, every year up until World War II. So they went ahead and they didn't hold it in '45. They still tried to field teams in '42, '43, and '44, but it was all like the backup players and everything. So it was uh, so the all stars of the second string. Yes, exactly. Interesting. Uh, and then since 1948, we have had an all star game every year, including the strike year. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I guess that would have been in time for the strike year, huh? Mm-hmm. So I want to say they struck in August. Yeah, that sounds right. Something like that. We need to do a retrospective over that strike for sure. Uh, whenever we end up with no baseball as a result of a labor lockout, good we'll point. have plenty to talk about. That's a very good point. And we're headed in that direction, it would seem. Well, anyway, that is your overall history of the... Major League All-Star Game. It's good. It's good. And currently, the American League has won 44 times. The National League has won 43 times. Sam's breakdown of that in his lifetime was incredible. His random since 1986. And we're (laughs) like, why'd you choose 86? (laughs) Nobody thought about it. Not once. No. It makes sense, though. It, it really does. Man, there's been two crazy things that have happened in baseball. And, and we'll kind of uh, spend the last few minutes talking about these two things. Um, just a little heavier note, I guess. Um, two things. One was the loss of the Angels pitcher the other day, which we'll talk about here in just a second. So we want to talk about kind of in brief terms until we know what's going on with it. For and sure. also, Carlos Carrasco having leukemia. Two crazy stories that have come out in the last two weeks or so. Um, What have you thought about all this, man? I mean, I think it's a sobering reminder of our own humanity and mortality, you know, and not to not to be too, you know, existential crisis, Ben Baseball about it. But, you know, at the end of the day, these are these people that we put on the field and that play these games and are paid huge amounts of money to play for all intents and purposes, a game for our entertainment. Mm-hmm. You know, they are people just like us. They have uh, spouses and partners. They have kids, they have parents, they go through things, you know, just like we do. And so that certain human element, we tend to lose, we tend to lose as we're sitting in the audience, you know, with our signs that say, you know, Mookie bets make that catch or whatever. Like, yeah. I mean, there's just so many different different things that we kind of lose the human element. And it's, so this is a sobering but needed reminder in that. I think it's a big problem of what we deal with on social media and everything is that people don't think that there are other people behind this stuff. And, you know, it's not a sensitive versus, you know, hard-ass type of thing. It's that people are human. And, I mean, these athletes, regardless of the sport, see this stuff that's said about them more often. And at the end of the day, just to your point, they're humans as well. And bad things happen to them. I mean, whenever um, John Farrell was diagnosed with leukemia back in 2016, I believe it was, 
I mean, I was still on the John Farrell believer train at that point because he had, you know, really shown a lot of progress over the years and stuff and, you know, kind of some dicey situations that management put him in and whatnot. He had done a really a pretty good job with it. And it was devastating, man. And it was it was a sobering reminder of just the human element of this game. And, you know, we talk a lot about that, about, you know, guys overperforming and underperforming. And, you know, we talk about their their, you know, behavior and, and the way that they approach things we, we talk about a lot of that stuff but at the end of the day like they come from a very unique place that most of us can't say that we come from that's why it's so great whenever we get to talk to like parker and stuff like that because regardless he's seeing something that we don't typically get to see and it's a no, window absolutely and and it's um you know the whole uh you know the whole uh angels pitcher thing just shook me to the core we we found out about that like right before we came on the air and we, we really even debated on talking about it, and we settled for what we did because, you know, we, we think it deserves to show respect to the family and, and everything. And, um, you know, and they deserve that respect, and no matter what happened here. But did you see that, that it was ruled a suicide? Or it was not ruled a suicide, I mean, it was ruled out? Yeah, so I think at that point they're just waiting to see if there was anything in the toxicology which can take up to six weeks. Yeah. And, you know, I don't say that to say that you know, there was anything going on, but I mean, that's kind of the next thing that they're looking at, at least with what they've shared in the public. I mean, you don't just like die randomly like that, like for the most part, when you're well, that healthy. I mean, when you take yeah. care of your body like a pitcher does. So, and that's where, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily want to speculate, but I no, mean, not at all. It's, it's entirely, for example, I'm a big music fan. And uh, one of my favorite bands, The Clash, um, Joe Strummer passed away. Everyone thought it was a heart attack, but he had a legit congenital heart defect. Right. And it could have went at any time. Right. So I think that's kind of like the next thing that they're doing is they're trying to rule out stuff like that. And hopefully, you know, toxicology comes back in a positive way to where they are able to rule anything uh, nefarious or uh, or reckless out. And uh, um, hopefully the family's at peace in that. Yeah. And that was the idea. And that's why we really were we're on the fence about talking about it because it deserves respect and not between jokes and things like that, like we tend to do on this show. So I'm glad that you and I are able to kind of hammer it out while we have a chance to, because, um, you know, and he, Tyler Skaggs was a good pitcher and he was, you know, I followed him for a long time. I had him on my fantasy team for quite some time. And so I, I kind of watched him and he'd bounce between Arizona and, and the angels and stuff. And, you know, a good dude overall. And it's just a shame. And it, it really is, we there's more of this stuff that happens than we even probably realize that we just don't hear about or it's a quick thing or whatever that affect these teams and you know injury and all that is is something that we talk about all the time but the, these kinds of things are just they're rough you know no for sure and I'm, I'm glad you know in carlos carrasco's situation where he has uh it sounds like they have it under control as best they can and and they're dealing with it and stuff because he's an incredibly talented dude but it that's something that a team will rally around and i mean we've talked a lot about the success of the indians here just recently and i mean all a team needs is something to rally around like that well and and that potentially you know something like that can always be the lightning in a bottle moment yeah and i mean we saw it in 2017 with the astros when they had that big flood in houston and everything and they lit it up you know by really lighting a second candle and 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 bringing one home for the city the red sox did it in 2013 it's an incredibly special thing to be a part of and to watch your city be at such a low point and have it bounce back up like that. And, you know, the team looking at it is this is the least we could do for the city. That's a great yeah. feeling. No, and I, I not thinking tie it too, but I mean, you could 
think of the Yankees after September 11th. Like, how many people at the 2001 series were rooting for them? Which, it's not humorous, but I mean, then to have Arizona pull the rug out from under them, like... <laughs> it's rough. It's a tough now, look. Now, with 18 years difference on that, like, I can chuckle about it. But at the time, there weren't very many Diamondbacks fans no. outside of Arizona. No, not a lot of Randy Johnson fans. <laughs> Yeah, it was a real uh, loosen-the-collar kind of moment. Like, ugh, that wasn't great. You know, luckily, that wasn't probably the focal point, but it just didn't help anything. Yeah, no, but in retrospect, it's it's uh, it's something that we don't talk about enough, though. And so, you know, we, you know, regardless of what it is and what happened to Tyler Skaggs and all that, like, we encourage people to get help and all that if they need it. And, you know, mental, this mental illness and everything is a very real thing, and... It's, you know, probably not even something we address enough on, on these shows at all. But, you know, the little things that I th- feel like we can contribute is if you need that help, please go get it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Not that that was this case, but it's just important to bring up nonetheless. It's a good, consistent reminder. Exactly. Well, if you like what you're hearing, make sure to check us out. We are at sensiblyloud.com. Plus, we have podcasts for just about all of your fancies. If you're into reality television, make sure to check out Just Peachy. Of course, we have On the Break. You want to talk about Kawhi going to the Clippers? Yeah, go check out On the Break. You're missing out. What about what's going on with the women's national team? Yeah, you need to be checking out Perpetually Correct. And as always, our flagship show, Sensibly Loud Radio. Plus, we are all over your social media. Don't forget rate review subscribe that helps us out a bunch and as always thank you for checking out sensiblyloud.com we want to thank everyone for tuning in for episode 73 of the outfielder podcast we would like to thank all of our fans sensibly loud media our sponsors and those with the sharp eye to keep the runners close grounds crew please keep patrolling that outfield big ups to kevin towers don't text and drive and we'll see you right back here next time on the outfielder podcast God's Dodgers hashtag blessed.